You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Paul Sauger Liberty Podcast. This is episode number 307 of Decentralized Favorite Podcast. Jeremiah Morrill, Dakota Davis. Uh, what are we doing today, Dakota? Today's episode features the Henry County Sheriff, Mr. John Sproles, and then Detective Captain, Mr. Matt Pierce. Uh, they're both returning guests to the program tonight. Uh, the Henry County Sheriff's Office has been in the newspaper quite a bit recently. There's been some articles written, uh, some things going around on Facebook and other social media platforms. So we wanted to extend the invitation to uh, let's clear the air. Let's uh, talk. Let's talk everything through and have John come on, explain everything um, that's not written in a news article so that we can uh, just get to the bottom of stuff. We're going to be talking, first of all, about some kitten news from the Pierce side of things. And then we're going to be talking about the Henry County... Um, 911 dispatch services and the PSAP tax. Then we will be talking about the town marshal system. And then finally, at the end, we'll be talking about the new directive and the new policy set forth um, that made headlines recently about non-emergency calls in the county. So make sure you stick around until the very end of the show. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to make, push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes it'll provoke you, other times it make you laugh, but hopefully you'll always learn something new. Uh, we just finished up 20 minutes on Patreon, uh, where we, we did a good service, Dakota. We, well, you did. Well, the podcast. I got did credit. say Boss Hogs. The, the Boss Hog of Liberty Podcast, uh, bought a pie. Um, and if you want to know how, what the review of what the room was, well, you need to be a patron. That's right. And you can join and help, uh, help offset the, co- offset the costs of the, of the streaming, the uh, the internet, the building, all the stuff that, that gets us on the air each and every week. Patreon.com slash Liberty is where you can go to learn more about that. Or you can go to BossHogOfLiberty.com and you can hit the support now button and uh, you can sign up. It's as little as $5 a month that goes all the way up to $50 a month. Uh, but basically over there you get access to a Facebook group that is exclusive to Patreon members. You get show notes before the show starts so you can follow along in real time. And then you also get a bonus like 20 to 30 minute episode. That's where we do things like recap the week. We also try different foods and uh, drinks and things like that. So that's a, uh, it's always good content. And then we always make our guests sit through it as well. So if we're, if we're trying stuff, we try to force it down on them too. Next week, we have a presidential candidate joining us. That I can't is true. wait to see them have to eat whatever the hell we're going to eat. Yeah. Patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty. And like I said, goes up to $50 a month. And one special thing that those folks get is a shout out at the front of every episode. And those folks are Mr. Jonathan Phillips, who is our favorite car dealer in the continental United States. He is also a city council candidate. And then we also have Mr. Anthony Meyer, who is a long haul trucker who's delivering goods all across the United States. 
And then Miss Christy Avery from all the way in Fort Wayne, Indiana. She's our favorite Norwex dealer, so give her a shout for your uh, household needs. We also have some merchandise. You can send an email to jeremiah at bosshogofliberty.com or dakota at bosshogofliberty.com, and we will get you squared away if you're interested. So the pressing news of the day. I read on the Henry County Sheriff's Department's Facebook page that Detective Pierce's home adopted a kitten. But then I read in the Courier Times that that's maybe not entirely true. Are you are you anti-cat? Am <laughs> I not close enough? Uh, you're not close enough. Right. There you go. It's we have canine Zorro. Yes. He lives in our home. So he may be anti-cat. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you are uh, married to uh, Merit Officer Brandy Pierce, uh, who I've got that correct. Correct, former okay. Newcastle. Yes, former Newcastle Police Officer, Boss Hog alum. Uh, and there's this this over the weekend. I guess it was on Sunday. She was involved with the uh, the rescue operation of a of a young kitten uh, down at State Road three and thirty eight. Yeah, animal control was there to get the kitten to fall into the storm sewer down there, the one that never. Washes water away when it rains. And so they wanted some traffic assistance because they were concerned about traffic. And so Brandy and another one of our officers went down there and helped, helped keep them safe while they rescued it. All right. Very good. And you, it never came home to you? Well, at first, we don't have any special pull, so it has to go to the animal shelter to be checked out. But I think at some point we'll be available. All right. Yep. So that they were saying that in maybe three months or so that this, this kitten would be available. Because it's very tiny. Yeah, very early. That was a fun story, though. Yeah, it was. It, I, I, I really enjoyed so it more when you it, it, when you guys took the kitten home. Well, I I enjoyed it more when I was sitting eating dinner with my wife and I got a text message from you. <laughs> the first uh, inclination that we've adopted a cat, and my yeah. first thought was, well, obviously Jeremiah picked the wrong person to text. And I looked at my wife and said, "Do you know anything about this?" And I got to look, and I was like, <laughs> one of my uh, one of my wife's good friends. Um, one of her barn cats had kittens recently and my wife had been pushing and pushing. Let's get a kitten. Let's get one of the kittens. And I kept saying, no, you know, we have five chickens, two goldfish, two dogs and a cat already. We have quite the zoo. And she, her point was what's one more. And I just kept saying no. And then one day I got a FaceTime call from her. And the first thing I see is my son in the laundry room with a kitten. I said, I said, Audrey, what did you do? And she said, this cat, this kitten just showed up at the house. And I was like, oh, okay. uh, yeah. and she's like, no, seriously, check the cameras. And sure enough, there's a, there's camera footage of my wife going out, responding to a, a kitten meowing in the, uh, on the front porch. It was behind a welcome sign. So, uh, she named it, uh, one eyed Willie because one of its eyes was shut. And, uh, she posted on Facebook, Willie. W-I-L-L-Y, and then I told her we can keep the cat if you spell its name right. But it's Willie with an I-E, like a, a Willie Nelson. So, now, yeah, now we have a kitten. Only one I and then an E. Yeah, but then its eye opened up, and my son was, my three-year-old, was very excited. The healing powers of a three-year-old yeah. with a cat. He was so pumped the next, or the next few days after it opened up. He, he has two eyes. He has two eyes. <laughs> yeah. Do you still have two goldfish? Is the question. We do still have two goldfish. How are the cats with the kid, or the dogs with the kitten? Uh, so I have a ninety-five pound German Shepherd, and she thinks that the 
uh, Willie is her son. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Now, I will say that we got folks here in the live chat that's saying that the audio is coming in and out. I we've made some changes in the studio this week. Uh, first first time we've put this in, but we have we're using Streamyard. You may try watching uh, the Ball Soccer of Liberty YouTube page. Also has the live stream. So if you're if the Facebook version is not working well for you today, uh, jump over to the Facebook the YouTube side. And if that isn't working, uh, then tonight the audio version will sound great. So. Uh, we picked that up on a separate uh, a separate recording device. So uh, even if the live stream audio isn't pristine, uh, option A, B, and ultimately we can try option C. Yep. Um, all right. <clears throat> Very good. So this is the week that we had. I had been, Dakota and I had been kicking around the idea of having a conversation about this 911 tax that the community is uh, is potentially adding, or is, it's now referred to as the PSAP tax. Which is the public safety something something answering point. answering answering point, point tax? Uh, I know I have like three or four cell phones, and every one of my cell phones pays a nine one one surcharge. And my understanding is a guy that doesn't understand the back end of how when I call nine one one, the phone gets answered. I would have thought that all of these nine one one charges that we're paying in for all of our devices would be more than enough to pay for our 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 911 services. Why is the the city of Newcastle, the Henry County government, the 911 office coming in and saying, Hey, we need to raise your income taxes to pay for, pay for 911. Sheriff Sproles, do you know how to answer that question in a way that I might understand? Basically, Here's what they said is everybody either is going to have to buy 10 cell phones or we're going to have to pass this tax. Not everybody has three cell phones like you. Some people only have one. And so, it's either buy more cell phones <laughs> or pass the tax. So why do, so why don't they just increase the rate, right? Like th- that's that's the part I don't understand is now you've got a bunch of locals that are having to, every county I assume is having to do the same thing. This isn't just a a Henry County problem. Yeah, so I don't I don't uh, I don't know anything on on that end of it. But I do know this though. Um, dispatch uh, nine one one they need more employees, and I will say that that is a a. Um, that's a difficult job, and um, I feel like they're understaffed. I, I know they they are. I know they feel like they're understaffed. Um, so, I um, it, it's something that we've got to have. So, how the tax, you know, what how they uh, determine the nine one one tax from the cell phones? I, I don't know that, but I know that um, the budget is uh, is just not there to support an adequate nine one one service. Okay. So, as folks want to gather more information on this on this issue, I guess the county council will be voting next week. I think on the twenty seventh, um, and when there's a when there's a rate over a certain point, I think the county and the city and all of the different taxing entities have to get together and have a have a, a vote, an affirmative vote for it. I, I did reach out to Butch on this because I had the same question. Yep, am I coming through? Yep, you're good. He said that roughly that cell phone tax, your the, the surcharge. I don't know how it breaks down, but once it goes to state and comes back to the county, it's roughly $39,000 a month, which sounds great. But when you add that over 12, that doesn't even cover uh, the cost of personnel to staff. The hmm. So I, I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming the state gets some sort of cut of this before it comes back to us. So that's why PSAP was then pushed out, was to help. To fill the gaps for the counties. Correct. Otherwise, it was going to kind of like, kind of like they did with lit, 
and the jail tax, the state has pulled back their tax funding or, or keeping more of it, whatever that case is, and leaving. Sorry, I'm just going to move your mic this way a little bit. And, and leaving the counties uh, in a really bad spot if we want to continue providing service. All right. I, I understand it. I just don't buy it. I, it's, to me, it seems like the, the state, not, not that I don't buy it from you, Matt. It's that I, to me, it feels like the state has once again changed changed the rules on communities, and then you're having locals. And, locals and, have to make up the difference. And I don't know what the number is that, say, everybody that lives in Henry County, that, that, that total is monthly on your surcharge. But according to what I was given, we're, we're receiving 39000 back. Because um, like with most cases, the state collects it all. And then disperses it back to the counties, and that in itself wasn't going to cover just staffing. Yeah, if we continue, the Courier Times article that I read said that it was they had to pass it by October if they want to continue the service, uh, or it would be uh, they wouldn't have enough funding by twenty for by twenty twenty six. I think it was like a three-year time period that they had, like that they were that they were good for three years, and then after that it would be insolvent, or yeah, something like that. Right now, if they pass the tax, it'll be enacted. I don't think it would actually take effect till January one, but the county right. would not receive or be able to access that fund until January of like twenty twenty-five. Twenty twenty-five. So, so the for the rest of this year into next year, it would still have to be funded the way it is, and it's still a pretty tight budget and then that would allow them to then continue on after 2025 without such a crime so i'm assuming that if it didn't pass if the county council decided no we're not going to do this um would it go back to like you have to call if i had an emergency and i called 911 would it not go anywhere would i need to call the sheriff's office directly no, so there's there's places, obviously there's systems in place for that. I, I think the problem will be um, there may be no funding left to keep updated with equipment to a, a, as technology progresses. Uh, like, you know, we now take text 911, basically. Right. And things like that. You know, we would, there would be no money to then continue to progress the technology part uh, because we're scratching by right now to even fund the people to be in there. And as the sheriff said earlier, they run a lot of times with two dispatchers. Um, so, and they can be overwhelmed. Uh, yeah, it seems like it'd be easy to be overwhelmed with two. Yeah. So a third and, and potentially maybe a fourth is what's needed to provide adequate service. Gotcha. All right. So we're going to stay tuned on that issue and see, see where things land. I, I just wish, you know, if they're charging you 10 cents a line or 20 cents a line, whatever, increase it to 30 cents, whatever that number is. But it's a it, it, the, it's a slippery slope. Whenever we increase income taxes, you end up ta- you end up taking less money home each check. And then you've created a new line item so that five years down the road, 10 years down the road, you get a new you get new people involved and they just the, the rates change. You never you never claw them back. Uh, one, one thing that I would compare it to, that's possibly like. Um, you know, like our when we write a speeding ticket or something, it's like one hundred eighty-five dollars, and people think, "Oh, you guys are making." I, I think that we get three dollars out of that, and so um, you know, the state is is obviously probably siphoning money off the top of it, and and so I don't know, maybe they're taking more than they used to. It's been a recurring theme on the show where the the state likes to 
to tie the hands of localities and then say, well, there's this option to raise taxes on your citizens if you want. While they're sitting on a huge surplus. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the year, the governor comes on the TV and says, look at how good our and balanced our budget is. You're welcome, right. Indiana. So the big topic we wanted to talk about tonight is regarding the uh, the announcement uh, Sheriff Sproles made a couple weeks ago now uh, revolving around the response to when you call 911. Uh, and it's determined that you don't have an actual emergency. Uh, we have a number of different law enforcement agencies that serve serve the people of the county. You've got the state police, the sheriff's department. You've got some town and city police departments. And there are town, town marshal services. Uh, and there are some towns that have police, depart- police departments that are surprisingly larger than what we would have expected. Or at least what I would have expected as, as you started to lay this out. Um, one town in, in the county has 120 people, Greensboro, and it has more than 20 officers that are, that are shown. Um, you have, you, you had a group get together. I believe you invited all of the town marshals and the town boards. And essentially it was, Hey, we, we are no longer going, you have your own police department. We are not going to respond to emergency calls in your communities. Um, how has that gone? Well, the um, the response, I feel like it was shocking. I was shocked at the, res- the kickback that I got. Um, so I, I want to I want to um, kind of start from the beginning of where this decision came from. Um, first of all, being the new sheriff, the first thing that that uh, I have done, uh, along with our captains and chief deputy, is uh, start to look at our process. Um, and procedures and and who's in charge of what you know who who takes care of this and who takes care of that and um, so I have been trying to just draw some clean lines so so everybody knows their roles um, and, and I campaigned uh, very openly on this issue of um, badges floating around there with full police powers. Um, we had the same issue in our department with special deputies. It's it's the same, it's the same, um, the same idea. Special deputies can have full police powers, um, and we had people with special deputy privileges to the tune of probably north of seventy people. Um, that number just continued to grow as I, um, you know, started working through recalling these special deputy powers. And so um, it, it's something that, that I, again, I had talked about in, in, in my campaign. So why would somebody have been a special deputy? Um, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I think I do know. Um, again, I, I gave examples here on this show of just there were people that had special deputy powers working full-time security jobs, full-time security jobs. They had to be police officers with arrest powers to have those jobs. And um, so I, I just had determined we are going to eliminate that. There are some special deputy uh, powers that, that, have to, that have to be. Our, our jail staff uh, people are special deputies. Courthouse security officers are special deputies. Um, so I, I cleaned out all of the, the special deputy badges and, and special deputy powers 
um, that were not serving Henry County. Um, and, and so we created a, uh, basically a list of, of what, uh, you know, what constitutes, uh, you being able to get special deputy powers. It's a very short list. And I have heard, uh, keyboard warriors talk about how I gave all my friends special deputy badges. I have no friend with a special deputy badge or special deputy police powers. Let me clarify that. Our, our courthouse security guys are my friends, but, but outside of courthouse security, we have two uh, SROs in the county. One of them is, or both of them are retired officers. They have special deputy powers because they need special deputy powers. They are protecting our county kids. Um, and then we have some security at the hospital um, who has special deputy powers because they, they need arrest powers. Community corrections, their officers are special deputies. So, um, None of our none of our special deputies are working security jobs. They are working here for the county, taking care of our county residents. And so just to completely clear the air about me giving friends special deputy badges, it's not the case. My brother is not a special deputy. Uh, my family members are not special deputies. And I have had, believe me, I have had people call. I had a very good friend of mine call and said, hey, I, I was... He said, I've heard um, a lot of guys do security work, make good money, and had somebody tell me the other day, if you have a friend in law enforcement that can get you a badge, you could do it. And he said, um, are you able to do that? This is a dear friend of mine. I said, absolutely not. Yeah, I'm able to, but you're not going to do it. Um, I said, I have preached against that from day one. So I want to make very, very clear that we started uh, cleaning house in our own house first. And um, that I took an enormous amount of heat over this. Go ahead. You're like you said. You did can't you did bring this up, and when you were campaigning, um, we had you on uh, for uh, prior to the primary election and the general election both. And I know you brought it up both times. And your main concern was folks who had a Henry County badge and they were working out of town, and your uh, the the ability of the sheriff's department to oversee those sometimes was was lacking, and you're like, I don't want someone with a Henry County badge doing something irresponsible uh, whenever they're working and it coming back and looking it, bad on us. It's not it's not lacking. It's just flat impossible to oversee that. I talked to uh, a, a an officer who's been a special deputy for many many years, just about I don't know four or five days ago. And, um, and I asked him if I could use this illustration. I won't give, it, I won't give his name, but um, he's been a special deputy for 20-plus years. And I asked him, I said, when's the last time you qualified with a handgun? He said, ah, I think 2004. So, um, so yeah, li- liability, there is no way to police your police officers. Because I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I've, I said this during the campaign. Early on in my campaign, I asked for a list of our special deputies. We did not have a list, and I was told, "Well, I guess we can produce, we can make one up for you." I said, "Well, at that point, I don't, I don't uh, need you to try to make one up." However, um, when I got near, when it got near January first, I did request I need a list. So I got a list that had an enormous amount of names on it, an enormous amount of names, and at a quick glance, when I first read that list, I counted, I knew of many people that I know had special deputy badges that were not even on that list. So, like I said, I took a lot of pressure over it. The, the reason that I 
recalled that those um, special deputy powers is because of liability. Absolutely. Our county is going to get sued when somebody working security in Indianapolis gets tangled up with somebody. What, what kinds of places are folks working security? Who's, who, are they working in warehouses? Are they working like in retail? Lucas oil? Football all, games. Where, where where are people getting used? everything you've named? And 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 Captain Matt, you can you can speak to that. Uh, give them some ideas of of uh, security in the Indianapolis area. Every sporting event you go to, obviously. I know there was some some thought that IMPD didn't work the sporting events, and I do believe it comes down more to some of the out of county people are willing to take less than IMPDs. IMPD. The commands like a fifty-five dollar an hour rate, where I know a lot of people work for forty, forty-five. Um, you had uh, warehouses, uh, front gates, uh, checking people in and out, uh, making sure employees were not leaving during work. Any construction site overnight, um, sitting out there, <clears throat> anywhere that you would think of their potential of being uh, crime or the need. I mean, there's a, there's some so sort of police officer So if somebody wants to hire hire additional security, they want somebody that has a has. Correct. You know, uh, Broad Ripple's become quite the hot little spot. So I mean, Jimmy John's has a police officer standing in there. Uh, Brothers, every restaurant down through there has a police officer Friday and Saturday night. So um, anywhere you could think of, there, there's the potential for police work, and, and it has become lucrative. That's the thing. You know, when I started 23 years ago in law enforcement. I thought I was making good money at 20 bucks an hour uh, working the Colts game. And, and now this is, you know, we don't work for anything, you know, usually less than 50 and it goes up from there. All right. And, and so the skeptic says, okay, so Mr. Sheriff, you're saying that you don't want these people to be able to do this independently. You want your officers to be able, the only ones that are allowed to go do this. Well, that, that's, that's a part of that. That's not the biggest issue. My biggest issue is that we have basically what we have with giving out badges and, and, and um, police powers. We've got full-time security workers. And one, one item we didn't mention that, that's maybe even one of the bigger ones is construction, road construction. Uh, you see that all the time. You'll see a police officer sitting there. Um, so, so what's happening is, is in, in many cases, um, back to the town marshal issue, um, we've got full-time um, security guys, and, and, and that may even be a strong word. Let's say full-time guys sitting in cars with their lights doing the work while they're watching YouTube videos eight hours at a pop. Um, they're doing that full-time and then coming down and putting in eight hours um, of eight hours or, or 12 of work as a police officer. So uh, that is a, a huge uh security issue you what you know really well is how to turn the lights on and click uh the the triangle on the youtube thing um and so um you get very little police experience so so there's several things to that you you finally come down in a police setting you drive an hour or so to your little town and you're really excited to do something because you watch youtube all week and i, I don't want to be ugly I, I i'm not i don't want to be sarcastic here um, I, I want to cover facts. And, and so, you know, you're excited to get into stuff. So, therefore, man, as soon as that person maybe rolled that stop sign, man, you're ready to get up there. And I bet they got dope in the car. you just running people through the mill. And, and so it, it's, a, it's a difficult 
it's a difficult thing when we have um, full-time security people coming down just to do uh, a few hours of police work. You cannot stay on top of of the things that you need to stay on top of working eight hours a month. So, so the requirements to to for a town to have a town marshal's office. What are what are the towns doing? A town board says, "Hey, I'm going to start a start a police department or a town marshal." They hire a marshal and say, "Here's a budget. Go hire a police department." What? How does how does that actually work mechanically? Well, um, I, I'm my knowledge on exactly how that works is going to be a little bit limited, but um, let me let me correct one thing there that said about a town wanting to start a police department. There are people out looking to start police departments and literally contacting small towns and requesting uh, a meeting with their uh, three or four board members and saying, hey, we can provide you a um, we can provide a police department for this town. We would like to start a police department, and um, you can just get pay us a dollar a year, and we'll provide twenty four hour coverage. And um, so it's like a sales pitch, essentially. It's, to the it, town. Well, it, it is a sales pitch, and, and, and I want to make this really, really clear uh, to our, our people listening. That sounds goofy. It's happening. I have facts on people trying to start police departments. I've got body camera footage of people saying, well, we're, we're, I'm kind of a cop. We're trying to start a police department. And, and I also, um, this, is the, this is one of the biggest concerns, one of the biggest concerns. And I, I want to be careful um, what all information that I, that I give here. It's very interesting when you hear keyboard warriors going at it and, and you hear people say, how did you hear what he said? He said, one thing they don't understand, we're dealing with a whole lot more information than they are. They have very limited information. And, um, and so there are some huge concerns. There's some realities out there where there are um, well-known, um, national, nationally known violent gangs that have a goal of infiltrating small-town police departments. We know this stuff as a fact. This is not something that I'm just making up and, and trying to scare people. This happens. We know that people have wound up with badges who are hardened criminals. And, and when we go back to, you know, how does a police department get started up, a town has the ability to start a police department, an incorporated town can. So you've got three or four board members, and in many cases can be elderly people, no, no, no knock to that, but it's just, hey, I've lived here and my, you know, my grandparents lived here and I, I am the one in charge of this town. And so you have some really nice people that come into town and sell, do you want a police cars here? Um, you know, we can have full, full 24-7 coverage for you and it won't cost you anything. I, I don't, I guess I don't know how that's possible. Um, so I, I, you, you wouldn't think it should be possible. But it absolutely is, and and, and let me um, let me tell you this. I I put out some information the other day, and um, I had one particular town marshal that was, um, as some keyboard warrior said, giving schooling me with the facts. What's interesting? They don't know the facts. Uh, so, and I think I, I thought, did we invite somebody else here to this? Yeah, we. I reached out and and uh, texted and. 
left voicemails for the town police chief in in Greensboro, and he has not yet replied. So, so and, uh, and, we and, we did try to get all all sides involved in the conversation tonight. Right. And, and I and I had I, I wanted that I, I was hoping that he would be here because um, you know I invited them to the meeting that we had at the sheriff's department. He didn't show up. Neither did you know, any of the representatives from town. But one thing that I pointed out, and and I really want people to understand the seriousness of this. There was a comment that he made. I had made a comment about there's a real easy way to test to see how much they actually care about your town. The town board has the authority to limit their police powers. They can limit their police powers to on duty in their town only. They have the authority to do that. Um, so I made this suggestion that if you want to know how much they care, uh, just limit their police powers to, uh, to on duty in their town only, and then you'll know whether you're running a badge factory operation. So the reply uh, that he had, the Greensboro town marshal had, was, let me tell you how much I care about your town. I spent $10,231 of my own money last year on your town, because I care about it so much, including buying the ice cream machine. was um, So So here is just a really crystal clear point that I, I want people to hear. These are facts. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be cutting. These are facts. I, I put out a, a comment on Facebook about this, and I said, you know, I'll, I'll personally spend 10000 some dollars on your town because I care about it so much. I'll drive an hour and pay for my fuel to get here. I'll buy my own police car. I'll come down here and work for free. And my assistant chief of police will drive an hour and 27 minutes, I believe, was the fastest map per Google. He'll buy his own police car. He'll buy his own gas, and he'll work for free here. And I've got 20 other people that will do the same thing because we care about your town. Now, here's an interesting thing. The state police... What have they done recently that everybody is is well aware of? They have raised their starting salary to $70,000. Plus, they promise giving a brand-new police car. Plus, they have amazing benefits. Why have they done that? It's because they can't hire people. Now, so they're trying to boost their hiring. But but for some reason, some people's got to ask themselves this question. If the state police is having to pay 70000 to get officers, why are people coming to Greensboro for free? That's a, I think that's a legitimate question. So, if, so a town like Greensboro, somebody, an officer, this model that's set up, they will, they will supply their own car, so they're going to go out and buy, a, buy some sort of a used police car of some sort. Correct. So a $5,000, $10,000 car. Right. What does it have to be a legal officer in Indiana, I guess – in this in the town marshal system how much training is required what kind of uniforms are there what's a car have to look like what are like what are the basic things that are having to be accomplished so so uh, the best way i, I talked to uh, uh, a reporter from channel 13 uh, about it and, and here's the best way that i can explain that so the basic requirements for a reserve town marshal is you have to take a 40-hour pre-basic course and after you take that, you have a badge and a gun. It is up to the department from there forward, other than they have to maintain 24 hours a year of continuing state-mandated education. 
But, but I'll give you this example. If you wanted to be a police officer and you went to one of these small towns and you were friends with the marshal, say, hey, I want to be an officer. He'll probably tell you, hey, cool, you're, you're a good guy. I, um, we've got to do the 40-hour pre-basic course. Um, I've got some instructor friends. I probably could get you through that in 25 hours. And, and if, if he trusts you, next week, a week after next, you, and I want, I want all the listeners to think about this. I want all the listeners to put themselves in this position. Whatever your knowledge is of police work, after next week, you could be driving a police car, carrying a gun, getting on the radio, and being on duty. Uh, Captain Matt, am, am I off on that? The only caveat to that would be if you were paid by the town. Um, you start being a paid full-time, part-time police officer. It does bring in the Tier 2 Academy requirement, which I can't tell exactly how many weeks that is. <clears throat> it's a more condensed version of the basic academy. Which I think Tier 2 is, is eight weeks, but, but none of the guys, none of the, the smaller towns that we're dealing with have paid part-time. So if you're going to be a volunteer marshal, um, you basically can forego that. You could still go, but there will be no statutory requirement for you to attend the academy in any way. But if you're so a volunteer the, marshal, that you are then eligible to go do the private security work. Well, correct. Well, then I guess what's the difference then between that and a Henry County Sheriff's Office reserve deputy? So it, there, there is no difference when it comes to the 40-hour pre-basic course. Again, I go back to it is up it's to... Like, it is up to the department of when they will release you. So even with our reserves, we have an FTO program, a field training officer program, and that we require, we have a, a several pages, um, and, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, this up because it's, it's very interesting. Um, so I know the, some of these small-town marshal agencies talk about their FTO program. Field training officer. Yes, so, so I'm not sure what that program looks like. I'll tell you what ours looks like. You have an entire list of multiple um, situations that you have to check off, you have to have done with a field training officer. You've had to have one or two DUIs that you did. You did all the reporting on it. You've had to respond to X amount of domestic violence cases. You've had to respond to, you name it. You've had to be the, the uh, reporting officer on a personal injury crash. You've got to cover all of these things that you, would, you can typically encounter as a police officer and check that off before you're able to go out on your own. So, so here's the situation. You know, saying, hey, we've got a, a field training uh, program, and I'll just use Greensboro for example. I could go back probably 20 years and pull every everything that's happened in Greensboro for 20 years, I'm not sure that a police officer could check off the whole FTO list. So I don't know what they're requiring other than you've got to be sitting in a car X amount of time with another officer because you're not going to encounter, you're probably not, I mean, you'll get a DUI every once in a while, you'll get a drunk person run a stop sign. But So, all right, so say... We've been using Greensboro, so we can say Greensboro, or we can say Cadiz or Mount Summit. I don't care what town. Say an officer from one of those communities writes a speeding ticket over in Hancock County or in Shelby County or whatever. What court gets that? Does it the court which the violation? Whatever, wherever the violation is, is the one that deals with it. Same thing with us. The same way we. I'm in Marion County, which is rare to do because unless you're 
familiar with the system and the way to submit tickets and do things like that. It makes it tougher. But basically in any of the 92 counties, the violation occurs in that county. That's the court that's going to oversee that. So do these town folks know how to write a ticket or to do that job in, in you know, when they're working 50 miles away? The point of those jobs, and I'll say that because I do work it. And I want to, one thing for what Dakota said earlier, when he, he referenced our reserve division, I think it goes back to what Sheriff Sproul said earlier. Our reserves come and put their time in, <clears throat> Jonathan Phillips, for example, strictly for the citizens of Henry County <clears throat> and the benefit of the Sheriff's Department. They can't work part-time. They can't go. You won't see our reserves. In the past, has it happened? Yes. But now you won't see our reserves at the Colts game because they are here to serve and support the road division and, and to help that division function properly, not to supplement their income. So I guess the the people under your charge that are the volunteer deputies, uh, you I guess so. What Matt's saying is you've kind of implemented, or some maybe it was before you. I don't know the the policy of your police powers end when you are not on duty in Henry County. Yeah. So so good example. I have I worked probably four or or maybe a total of five years as a reserve in Henry County. I only had police powers when I was on duty. Um, I couldn't go, I wouldn't, wouldn't have gone and worked a security job, but I, I couldn't have. Um, when I went off duty, that your, your police powers are done. So all of our reserves, this is, this is the big key. All of our reserves, uh, as Captain Matt said, um, they are here to, because they care about the county. And, and, and you'll hear me talk about they're here for the right reasons. Um, I, I, I want to I touch on that here um, there are some of these people that are there for the right reasons, probably in every one of these little towns. I want to make crystal clear that I am not anti-town marshal. Um, in fact, we have, we have several town marshal agencies in our county that do a good job. They are here for the right reasons. They are here to, to do the right thing, and, and, and they do a good job at it. So I, I want to make that clear. In fact, I, I something I thought we would talk about later on, but but we are uh, 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 the sheriff's department and the state police and the uh, Newcastle uh, police department. We're, we are trying to pull together a, a a system in which we can help these town marshals. We're putting the nuts and bolts together. Um, right now, and, and our goal is to have one person from each of those departments uh, to to reach out and and meet the the two or three um, seasoned town marshals that we've had here for many years. Have a sit down with them and talk to them about you know what are your needs, how can we help? Um, so so I want to make it very clear. I am I, I want to help these uh, these town marshal agencies if they're here for the right the right reasons. There are some people that are not here for the right reasons. There are some people that are working here in this county that should never have a badge, ever. And I get that people can change, and I, and I re- appreciate that, but there are some things that, that uh, have been done in the past that eliminate you, or they should, from ever holding a badge again. So to get hired by the Sheriff's Department as a, as a road officer, there are background checks, there are investigations, there's multiple boards groups of folks that interview and ultimately the, sh- the sheriff gets the decision to, to make a hiring decision. Maybe not as, as uh, many 
safeguards in a in a town marshal system? So, I, I think in in many cases there there there's maybe not any safeguards. They trust a person and uh, and they they appoint them as their town marshal, and they allow him to uh, you know to bring on the people that he trusts. And and so again, I I know that there are officers working in our county that should not be police officers. And um, so there is somewhere something has, somebody has missed a, uh, a checkpoint. And, and my concern is this, that there are, you know, you can get records expunged, okay? So in the, maybe this isn't the right way to say it, but in the civilian world, when you've had a record expunged, um, you are not supposed to, um, you, 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 you act like the offense never occurred. However, in regard to law enforcement, um, you, you have to reveal whether you've been arrested before, whether it's been expunged or not. And so some of these people go and tell these town boards, oh, I've never, never been arrested. Okay, great. Well, that's great. And, and, and I'll be honest with Arrested you. or convicted? Because we've had this conversation okay, on okay. this show before. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> convicted. Convicted. You get, con- you get convictions expunged. Now that you're on the mayor board, you see we asked for arrest too because right. uh, we're about ready to put whoever we hire in a position to have access to a lot of sensitive information that, you know, obviously impeachable things we need to know about um, mm. so that way we can make a good decision. Because you've been arrested, does that mean you're not going to be hired to intercount sheriff? Absolutely not. We've had people that have had uh, public intoxication, minor consumption, they were in college. doesn't make them a bad person. But if you've been arrested for something a little more serious, we should probably look into was there any merit behind the arrest? Right. If you were arrested for domestic for a domestic per- battery, perfect then example. We, we know that, that a lot. You, you probably have a problem with anger and aggression, and you don't need to be having a bad. Or it could have been a report that should have never been filed because you know you were in a nasty custody dispute, and it turns out it wasn't legitimate. So we 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 look at it both ways. And that's the that's the process that Jeremiah is talking about. Yes, this is before you're ever the, hired. The multiple different checks. And I will go back to Jeremiah with the pay thing and in the in the dealing with out of county things. Uh, working in the positions for EMB paving, they require you to be an academy graduate. That's one of the things. And I know you know I work it because we've talked before. Um, but in the 23 years I've been here, started I started a reserve in 1999. The sheriff's department hired at Newcastle PD. We had very few marshals offices, and you and you those have lived here. But as the off-duty pay has become lucrative, um, now across the donut counties and, and pushing out into surrounding counties, and I think the sheriff can attest to this after uh, talking to some of the other sheriffs, when the, the you can make a full-time living as a police officer, have never gone to the academy solely by being hired and worked and one of these agencies. You're essentially an independent contractor officer. Yes, you're, you're going to use that car and your uniform and your your position within that town to work all across the state and you know make far more if anybody the council is listening than we can hire you at, which is pretty tough. But it also attracts some people that probably shouldn't be in those positions because we're talking you can make a hundred thousand dollars. If you want to get out and hustle and work, being a police officer, but never working in your town. And by not, never, I mean putting in your 24 hours. Doing the bare minimum, whatever Correct. that is. So tell, help me understand the marking side. Like, 
these cars, do they have to say police at all, or they just have a police license plate? What is the what What are the requirements? There, there really are none that I am aware of. Um, there, um, there's no no requirements at all. They put red and blue lights in. They don't have to have a police plate on them. I mean, some of our unmarked cars, they they have regular plates. Most of the time, they're fake plates. They're legitimate. They they come back to a they're undercover. In, in direct, yes, they're undercover. They come back to an interesting name, um, but but so they don't have to even have police plates on them. Red and blue lights, uh, people understand red lights as we pull over. Um, so, man, I don't know what this this thing. Accuses. Yeah, I think I think our audio engineer is trying to trying to help things out, so it's cracking. And I will say this: when it comes to police cars, um, there are some statutes that govern. Like I've, I'm a full time police officer, but you know I can't throw police lights in my personal vehicle. Um, I think the process would be, obviously, with us, the commissioners purchase the vehicles. They're owned by the county, uh, maintained by the county. Uh, I think with the marshal's offices, most cases, like you said earlier, I don't think it has to be a 10,000-dollar police car. I think if you have some money in your pocket, you can buy a brand-new police car. And then you fill out a lease back to the town where the town pays you or pays a lease of a dollar to then, quote-unquote, lease that vehicle for that individual. And then that makes you eligible to go through the municipal section of Bureau of Motor Vehicles and request uh, municipal plates, uh, police plates. Um, obviously, you can't get sheriffs, uh, the, the town police, or like state police plates. But that then would make you eligible to put a police plate on the car, which statutory then gives you the ability to put all your police equipment in it. So for, for the average person that gets pulled over by somebody that's in a car that's unmarked, is there a... Is there a requirement for what a uniform has to look like for a town, or is it somebody wearing a polo shirt that has a has a badge on it? What's what? I guess I'm starting to think about this as just a as a person that's motoring around the community trying to figure out how do I know this person's authentic? Yeah. So so I I don't have the exact statute in front of me uniform wise, but but I believe it it basically is a, a reasonable, prudent person would understand clearly looking at you that you are a police officer. Right? It's going to be worded something to that effect, and and so as as uh, the producer was talking before the show about having to have a uniform and a marked car, so you have to have one or the other. And I know there's a lot of talk out there about I pulled somebody over illegally. Um, I had another uh, marked police officer coming, and and quite frankly, I I believe if you dig into the law, you simply can't make an arrest or a um, or or write a misdemeanor information and summons ticket without either having a uniformed officer or a marked vehicle. So um, there's there's not the, the requirements there are loose. And here's the interesting thing about the unmarked cars that I, I marvel at um, the idea, and I and I put this in, in a in a post. Um, the idea that that these towns what these towns are wanting, as as I've talked to several of the uh, town uh, council members recently they've called um, they are wanting a they want people to slow they want officers to slow traffic down Caddis, for example state road 38 they're wanting people officers to slow traffic down well and Caddis does have a marked car okay why these people are are having unmarked cars it, it's very obvious in fact I think I think uh, the the Greensboro officer talked about it and and, and I'll let you you talk about that part, Captain Matt. Give me one second. I'll come back to you on that. Um, so, so they're selling this. We want to be a police presence in your town. Yet they're they're not marking their cars. If you really want to be a police presence, 
get a fully marked car, park or sit in a very visible place when you're running traffic so people see you and actually slow down. Don't hide behind dumpsters, as I know is the case in certain places there, you know, a, a dumpster parked for a while. So you hide behind the dumpster so you can catch people and write them tickets. The idea, and I believe that the towns want, the way they've expressed to me, is they just want people to slow down when they come to their town. So why all the unmarked cars? Why the hiding and, and the hide-and-catch method? That's a conflicting, a conflicting story there. And, and, and Captain Matt, you, you can talk a bit about um, the, possibly the reasons they want unmarked. I mean, it's obvious for security reasons, and this is this is the biggest reason is, I think it was brought up in the, the podcast with Greensboro, that there was a, a post on Citizens of Newcastle. There was a Newcastle car in Anderson, and that one of his officers had taken a picture of a Kidder car on 69 up in Grant County, which is an EMB project we're working. And I think that's the ultimate reason why most towns or agencies would not mark their cars to avoid that negative. You know, I commend Newcastle PD and their chief and assistant chief and, and Kennard and their marshal. They want those cars marked. They're willing to take those complaints and tell those people, yeah, our officers are working over there to supplement the income or we won't have officers here. I, I mean, so, that's the bottom line. So, But if you leave your car unmarked and you're out of county sitting in a construction zone or, or working security, if you don't see the uniform or the patch, you, there's no way to know who that is. So then also there's no way for anybody to then question your town board, you know, why why is this agency here or why is this agency there? And, and the interesting thing to that is, you know, I've had uh, town marshals say, well, you know, I should be getting the complaints. You say you're getting, well, I'll tell you why you're not. Because all your vehicles are unmarked. Nobody knows who, who you are. And, and and so don't complain that you're not, they don't, they don't know who you are. They they, the, I have officers who call me that say, hey, who is this guy? This, this plate returns to a little town. I don't even know. Is, is there an actual police department in that town? So it's, it's interesting to get the frustrations where, you know, these complaints need to come to me. Well, put the name of your town on your car so they'll know where to complain. Yeah, it kind of, I mean, that sounds like a more, I don't know, it, it seems, I was trying to think about what you'd said earlier about, you know, uh, tell your guys they can't take the vehicles back with them and that they only have police powers when they're on duty. And then we also had been talking about how it's pretty necessary for uh, folks, especially working in small towns, to supplement that income. Otherwise, you'll just lose people to state police. So it's like you want them to be able to supplement their income so that you have a police presence. And it, it seems like just having the marked cars... Or, I mean, I don't know why if you were going to work a security job, you would have to have a police vehicle. So it's like, it seems like there's some middle ground there that can be reached of like, um, we want to pull this back some. We want to make sure that our guys are actually focused on our community. I can tell you this, that I've received calls and, and had communication from multiple towns and town board members. And, and they are the ones that have reached out to me are wanting to do things right. They are surprised at some of the things they have heard. Um, and they are in fact shocked at some of the things they've heard. There is a lot of fear mongering going on with town marshals and reserves that, that, you know, 
you know, the, the, the big bad wolf sheriff is, um, is not wanting to take calls. And, and, and there is fear-mongering going on, and I know that because I have had town uh, committee members calling me and saying, what about this and what about this? Then they realize, oh, well, we didn't realize that. And, and I have informed them on a lot of things recently that they had no idea of. Um, we have had an issue with, with um, some of these town uh, marshals and reserves uh, making traffic stops all over, all over the place. And, and, and one, I, I called directly and talked to the marshal and said, hey, what is, what is the situation here? Has, has the other town hired you guys to be there? And, um, and, and so, but I, I know one thing, that didn't get back to their town. They were told, oh, we don't pull people over outside of our county. And, I, and, and you might have been in the car when I had this conversation with one of the town uh, board members that called. And they were just really surprised at a lot of things that they heard. Very surprised uh, that they didn't know the personnel that was working for them. And so there is a lot of, of um, just pull the wool over the town board's eyes going on. So you've been vocal about this from your position as a Henry County Sheriff. There's 91 other sheriffs. Has the Sheriff's Association, have, has, has this become an issue that other sheriffs have started to speak up about? Or is there any momentum or conversation with state legislators about changing the system? There is. There is. And, and let me just tell you a couple interesting uh, parts of this, some interesting facts. And, I, and I've wanted to, and I have, have attempted to, and I believe have stayed just simply to the facts through all of my conversation about this. I'm not trying to throw pot shots at people. I, I'm sticking to the facts. So, so here are some facts that are, that are a little bit staggering. And, and part of the reason why I first made the directive to not respond to calls. Like I said, we're working through our process and procedures and who, who covers what. Well, I, I noticed we've got 67 town marshals that cover 2.3 square miles. Um, I, so it seemed reasonable to me, and, and I, I think it would be reasonable to the just a normal prudent citizen that if you've got 67 town marshals and reserves covering an entire area of 2.3 square miles, these are real, real numbers, okay? I have 17 patrol officers that cover 395 square miles. We take almost 10 thousand calls a year 17 patrolmen taking almost 10,000 calls a year covering 395 square miles so I look at 67 town marshals I get it they are they are reserves and part-time but when I look at 2.3 square miles with 67 officers that with a total of you know uh, according to 2022 stats a total of 23 calls that would have been affected with my, with my directive. 23 calls that they would have had to absorb in 2022. Divided over eight, uh, eight town marshal agencies, that is an average of less than three calls in an entire year that they would have had to take. Two out of those three, actually more than two out of those three, were, would be simple phone call reports that they could have taken while they're sitting on an interstate watching YouTube. And I, I, I shouldn't, I, I need to be more sensitive to, I, so, <laughs> um, so I thought, hey, this is reasonable, so let's put this directive out. Um, let's let them cover those 25 calls. And then I get this blowback that is absolutely mind-boggling. What are you talking about? You can't, 
And, and it just, so, so I'll tell you, I have had so much pushback um, from the marshals and reserves. Um, I have had good conversations with some of the, I've had good conversations with every one of the town board members who have reached out to me. There have been some that have not reached out. So, so what, what I have done as of today, I sent, a, I sent an email back out to these communities because I know their people are wanting to do the right thing. And I said, hey, look, since it's obvious the, the 67 officers are, are not okay with taking these calls, just rest assured we are going to take all of the calls so let's not worry about the we're not going to respond to non-emergencies. Had any of them picked any calls up in the last two weeks that they would have not normally done, or have there been any? No. What's amazing is they've been out. <laughs> like, like You've noticed the presence? Like the radio traffic, I've heard officers. Oh. Now, granted, I work in the detective division, but I still listen to my radio. I've heard there's been an increase in uh, radio traffic. It's 1041 and 1042, and they may say that's because of Spellman. But at least now we know that they're out there. They're out there so, so um, we need to define the Spillman thing yeah, too. Yeah, so it, it, we will. Um, but uh, so I, I told the communities. I sent this email to the marshals and to the town boards to um, you know disregard the we won't respond to non-emergency calls. We'll take care of all the calls because it was causing such a huge issue, and and, and we did not respond to any call. So I, I also put in that directive: just be it known that we have not uh, declined any call. And um, there was just so much panic, and, and again, I'm going to go with fear-mongering. Well, how do you, you have to make the decision of whether it's an emergency or not? Every officer, every time they get a call on the radio, every officer makes that decision the second they get a call. Yeah. That's nothing new. You do it every call that you get. You make that determination. So, so just to, to dispel all of this, uh, well, the people are going to suffer. Well, guess what? I, as I made very clear, I will not leave anybody without a police officer presence who actually need a police officer presence. But um, so we've put it in writing that we will take all the calls, and that's fine. So so what what we're wanting to do now is we, and I and I, I made a comment about this is my last uh, conversation uh, regarding this, and what I mean by that, I want this to be my last conversation regarding pointing out the issues. You have to identify the problems um, or you can't address them. So what, before we move on to that with the directive, mm -hmm. was that kind of your main goal with the directive was to just start a conversation amongst the town boards? I, I, said, I, I said that very clearly that really the, the main goal here is we've got to put a spotlight on this. And I'll be honest with you, for the, the town marshals and reserves to freak out, what I would have thought they would have done is say, hey, no problem, man, we'll cover it. That's what I thought they would have done. For them to freak out about, oh, no, absolutely not, we're not going to take those 25 calls, that told me very clearly either you're not capable, um, and, and so there is some reason that you can't take those calls. You're not capable of taking those calls, which is, is true in many cases. And I've got instance after instance that I can talk about of the incapability of being able to follow through and complete the police action that you started. There, there's, there's plenty um, facts out there. So there's some reason they panicked over 25 calls. And I would be embarrassed if I was a, a group of 67 people that says, oh, no. I mean, some, so, so there's some accountability to this, right? 
So say say there's a property theft, and a town marshal comes out and finds that lawnmower's been stolen, and now now there's a chain of there's evidence there's there's a process, and it's going to go to the prosecutor's office so that they can they can actually, you know, say they found a guy and, and deal with it. There's some responsibility for the town marshal to have to have to have documentation that's that's going to be able to to work in the legal system. And 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 so you know what what came clear to all of us when we had this. Oh no, we're not going to do that. You don't want that responsibility. You don't want responsibility enough to put the name of your town on your car. So you don't you don't want the responsibility of oh my goodness. And and, and again, I, I I haven't hidden uh, the reason for this. I have said it. I wanted to generate a conversation. The conversation was a lot bigger than I thought it would be or should have been. Um, you know, it, it's just phenomenal to me that that somebody didn't say, hey, look, look, look. This is a good opportunity for us. If I'm on the other side, I'm going to say, this is a good opportunity for us to let's run with it. Let's tell our town, hey, we're here for you instead of, oh, no, 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 no. That would have been a so so they missed a really good opportunity to um, to say yes we are here to provide police coverage true police coverage not traffic cop coverage so have you been invited to some town board meetings um well I have been called to some town board meetings <laughs> um, so uh, no but let me let me tell you something that that I that I want to point out I have uh, I have been reviewing some. Um, town board minutes uh, because there are reasons that I would need to review them. And, um, and I'll tell you, some good conversation between some towns who are trying to do right. Um, they have gotten together with other towns, and it was interesting to read the minutes because I'm not present in the room. They're free to say whatever they want to say. And um, there's some interesting things that I read of where they are saying, hey, we need to step up in this area. Um, we, we can do this. And, and there's, let, me, let me talk about a comment that was made by a, by a reserve officer that was very interesting, and it proved a point. I talked about a state trooper rolling up on, on a couple reserves in the car, one's training the other, and they it was on a traffic stop, and the trooper said, hey, what do you got? And he said, man, I think they're drunk. Said, okay, have you done field sobriety tests yet? And, man, I hate to say this. I, I don't know anything about that. What would they have done? So, what would they have done had the trooper not rolled up? He ended up doing the whole thing, uh, taking care of, of the DUI, just doing doing all of the process. And and so, but here was what was in one of those town board minutes that a reserve said. He said, "Here's the bottom line: we don't encounter that enough. It don't matter if you have learned it and knew it at one point very well. You don't do it enough to remember it, to remember that process. It's a very detailed process." And that's completely true. And so those are some real concerns. Is there a is there a way for, like, the town marshal could send folks to different training? Like, does ILEA do anything like that? Oh, absolutely. But, but again, what this, this does it reserve, Would it cost them, a, like, a lot of money? So there's a little difference, though, because there's, an, there's different tracks of training at the academy, depending on the level of, like, full-time police officers. Uh, there's a little more training for um, the academy is not anybody's been there. They would be inundated if we sent them three thousand town marshals this year. You know what I mean? Uh, there's, yeah. there's the facility's not there for it. But is there training throughout the state, whether it be at local level, at state level? One hundred percent. I mean, it, it standardized like, field sobriety. I mean, you can go onto the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy website and just scroll the pages of uh, within each county what's being offered. 
Is that something like that the Henry County Sheriff's Office could offer? Because I know you're doing training programs for the reserve deputies a lot. You have the training program there. You said, hey, we'll use our training facility for the reserve deputies for the volunteer deputies in the town. I think we, looking back on it, I think that's an opportunity we've missed to, to, to afford maybe some of these small towns. Because I can tell you I've worked in Marion County and I've worked in other counties, and each county has its own nuances. So to come in from Indianapolis and try to start a department within Henry County, it's not a complicated system without somebody before you to teach you the system. These are the steps you take on this incident. These are how we take people to jail. These are where your tickets go, things like that. But you also have to remember how many new people do we have right now? Sir? Oh, a lot. We, we oh. are training so many new people of our own. Our FTOs are – we don't have enough FTOs. They're, they're swamped. So, but, but, but as I said earlier, we are looking at – and, in fact, um, uh, the, the state police sergeant uh, that has been involved in helping, trying to help us pull this together, he has uh, printed off a, a multi-page a document on a proposed here is how we can help. So we're – we are turn, turn yourself just a little yeah, bit. There you go. Yeah, I'm sorry. So uh, we are looking at uh, trying to figure out how we can we we can't overrun our capabilities, um, but we are going to be reaching out to uh, to try to help and 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 we are we're already helping one town. One town has already been working with one of our sergeants, and and he has been helping them regularly. In, in the process uh, of, of bringing on new officers. So, so I, I don't want to, to make it look like I just want to, you know, strike a match and throw it and walk away. Here's what I do, and I, and I haven't been, I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not too shy to say this. I want to help people who are here for the right reasons. I want to help people move on who are here for the wrong reasons. And, and you know, some people, I, I am very open Captain Matt would know this. I have told our people, I will have the hard conversation. I will have the hard conversation. I owe it to our people. I owe it to our community. I am here to protect our people. And there are, there are things that they are, you know, with, with some of these uh, town marshal systems, our people are, are in some cases getting harassed, in some cases uh, their rights being violated because these officers get into something that they don't know how to complete. So, so it is about protecting our community. And I guess that would lead into the Spillman, the Spillman conversation. That is simply about protecting our community. We have talked about this for years. So Spillman is the software that all of the officers in the County use to communicate and to investigate. That, that is correct. So since 1989, uh, the city of Newcastle, um, they are the ones that originated uh, the Spillman program. I say originated. It came to, to, to them, and then we signed an interlocal agreement, and so has Middletown and Knightstown. There are no other interlocal agreements signed um, for the Spillman program, and, and, and we have talked about this, like I said, for years, and we, have never, we never could get the right answer of who actually is in charge of Spillman. So I, I called a meeting um, several weeks ago, with uh, everybody that makes decisions legally in this county, let's just put it that way, everybody in a huge conference room, we got together and I knew all the answers sit in this room. And so uh, it narrowed down very quickly to, I'll just, I'll I'll be open here. Um, The Newcastle Police Department pays 
let's call it 20000 a year for Spillman. Okay, it's 19000 and some change. Uh, the Sheriff's Department pays the same. So let's call it 20000 and 20000 911 pays the same amount. So it's another twenty. Um, Knightstown and uh, Middletown, they pay a certain amount for it. Because they're smaller departments, et cetera. That's correct. Smaller budgets. That is correct. So, so those are the only agencies that pay into this. And somehow, over time, we have just allowed all these people to filter in and, and, and have access to our system. So we had 67 officers, most of which are from a long way away from here. And there is one thing that I want to, uh, that I want to say here that's, that, that's important. I've made comments about people living out of town and not having, uh, bec- uh, you know, they don't have a 765 area code. Um, I also said that um, those officers are not, many of those officers are not in Spillman. I know that the Greensboro uh, chief said every one of them are in Spillman. Well, I've, I've got some interesting stats here, okay? They have 22 officers. Nine of them are in Spillman. One of those nine simply has a name. There are eight out of 22 that actually have information such as an address. I have asked for addresses because I feel like we should know each officer that works in our county where they live because, God forbid, something terrible happens. You know what we do when something terrible happens? We don't pick up a phone and call. We go to their house, okay? So this is just a fact. And, and, and like I said, I've seen some, uh, heard some comments about keyboard warriors saying, oh, he handed Sproles his you-know-what with the facts. Well, I got some news. What Some of those things that he was saying are not facts. The fact is that you have 22 officers and only eight of them are in Spillman with addresses. They're, the rest of them are not in Spillman at all, no names, anything. Five out of those eight live in Indianapolis. One of them lives in Martinsville. One of them lives in Greenwood. And one of them lives in Avon. My guess is the other, whatever that total is, probably don't live anywhere around here either. So, um, so, so here we... So got, they would use that software that, say, the city of Newcastle is paying for mm-hmm. to do the private security job on the west side of Indianapolis. So, so, so I, I can't speak to them... Uh, using it to do that job. However, what I can speak to, because we can see, uh, I, I would be what you call a, a super user, which I can see what everybody, um, these, these systems are tracked. Captain Matt would know. You can't do anything in that system without it being able to be tracked. So I, um, I, I, I looked at what some, the activity that some of these people were doing, one of these people, the first one of the first people they ran was John Sproles. Well, that's interesting. Why? There's a lot of John Sproles in the world, man. There are, there are, and and then that person also ran his girlfriend. That was one of the second ones, and his girlfriend's friends, and multiple other of our police officers. Okay, so um, also I could see that that these town marshals, some of them, are running plates while they're not on duty sometimes to the tune of a lot of plates. So I called one of these town marshals and said, hey, are you aware that we can see everything you're doing on this computer? Well, I, 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 I guess I thought you could. Okay, well, yeah, we can. So here's my question. Why are you running 35 plates at a time that you're not on duty in your little town? The explanation to that was I'm catching up on reports for my little town. 
you wouldn't have to run 35 plates in your entire year to catch up on reports in that town. So, so one thing that we knew for a fact, that we have 67 people. We don't have any idea who these people are. Most of them ain't even in our system. And, and they have access to our Henry County residents since 1989. Everything that has occurred in Henry County, investigation-wise, law enforcement-wise, is in that system. And this sounds terrible, but it's just a fact. If you have had a, 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 um, a family member who was sexually battered, they could go pull that report up and pull the pictures up. And, and so, so, again... Any user can do that? There are some limitations. You can put password protection on some of them, as, as uh, you, you guys have done before. But There are partitions within Spoon. But generally, you would be able to get most information. Let's say Dakota has been the complainant and the victim, and he's called in some things. Anytime that your name is attached to a report, we put it in the involvement field. Uh, it could be a vehicle, it could be a friend, it could be uh, whatever. You can go in there for the most part. Now, I will say, like, drug task force, partitioned off. So if they're working a drug dealing case against you, your friend, you can't go in and see that. Uh, but in general, yeah, you're, you're going to have access to a lot of information on anybody within that system. And it's set up for that way because... If we vetted you, and that's it's not the question that they shouldn't have access, but we vet our new hires. We make sure that there's no arrests, that there's no impeachables, you know, like they haven't had prior thefts or um, anything to do with uh, dishonesty before we allow them access to our system. We don't just first day one go, here's Spillman and here's how you do it. You know, we vet those people to protect that information, and it's basically protecting the information of the people that have trusted us to take their information and use and put into the system. So this the concern is, the really, it's not the town marshals. It's whatever number haven't been vetted by the agencies which are providing this service. It's just like IDAX, for example. They use that as an example. You send in a fingerprint card and you do things like that. That's the way they vet. So I think at some point they there will be the potential for everybody to be back on it, but there'll be some sort of process to make sure that the people that have access should have access to everybody's information, including mine, my information's in there. So, so you, you withdrew this, the ability for these folks that are not in one of the interlocal agreements to use the service. So the city of Newcastle did. Okay, right. the city, yes, yeah, yes, the city yes, of yes. Newcastle yes. made that right. decision. Right. So what happens now? So if somebody in... Somebody in Cat is says that they want to run a plate or look something up. Do they so, have to call another officer in? Uh, no. So, so I want to I make a, a couple points. You asked the question: Does everybody have access? For the most part, yes. And and, and so I want to. I don't want to um, lessen the the impact of of these people's ability to look up uh, pictures. They could go in and type suicide in the call nature, and and every one of them could pull every suicide we've had since 1989 and just start rolling through pictures. And um, that, that is, you know, when I, when I saw this, I thought, hey, it is my job to protect our citizens. That means protect your information. I cannot. I absolutely. And, and obviously, uh, the, the chief of Newcastle Police felt the same way, including the meeting that we had with everybody uh, that makes decisions when it comes to legal matters in, in this county. Um, that, that, so, so yes, we, 
we pulled them out of there. And, and as um, Captain Matt said, it is not, it's not necessarily just we don't want any town marshal reserve having that. Help us. We've got some retired police officers uh, from Newcastle that are the town marshals out at Kenner. Great guys. Um, and so, so, but to answer your question of is, you know, can they still do their job? There could be a case made that they can do their job more safely. And, and let me explain that. They will tell you at the academy, don't be down in your computer when you pull somebody over. So uh, we'll go back to Greensboro, for example. They were putting all of their information just, okay, making a traffic stop. They're typing this in. That is a very dangerous thing to do, to be buried in your computer when you don't know who you're pulling over. And, and so there is a case to be made that it's safer. So you ask about running a plate. They simply pick up the mic, say dispatch, need a, a 1027, 1029, read off the information. So you can do that while you're watching your person. It, it, it can even be safer. So they tried to make a, 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 a loud splash about, well, we can't even do our police work. State police don't have Spillman. Other ages, IMPD don't have Spillman. That just happens to be the software we have. There's all kinds of software. There is free, free software out there for them. And I noticed that in the meeting minutes that I was reading where they were talking about what kind of software to use. It does not affect their ability to effect police uh, work at all. They, I know they cried about it, um, and, and I don't say that that, that sounded uh, a cheap by saying cried about it. They were very upset about it, but it does not. It just it removes their ability to get in and just scan around and type Jeremiah Morale or Moral and, and Dakota. I, I'm, I'm telling you, they're going to find out that my mailbox gets hit a lot because it's the end of a turn. <laughs> And you're the complainant, then. Well, I'm uh, the victim. The victim and the complainant, though. Yeah. I had a note. I, I was at work, uh, and I never did go pick up the note. Apparently, I have a report of some sort where somebody, the whole the whole thing went down, and I never got it. Uh, but uh, the neighbors were telling me about it. Um, anything else in the department you want to update us on while you're here? I know we're probably starting to run tight on time, but yeah, the rest? We're, our jail is, is, man, we're running some high numbers. It was up over 240 the other day. 246 is our max. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly why this is, is occurring. A lot of times, I guess, you do peak out in the summertime. Um, so we, we kind of peaked up. We were down the day to, I think, 231, which is good. Um, so, so that uh, we, we are full. Uh, we have hired. Well, let me. I switched tracks. We are full at the jail. Um, but we have hired three new merit deputies. And for the first time in a long time, we have a full uh, staff of merit deputies. We've got a lot of guys that need trained. Um, however, I'm going to go back to a campaign uh, statement. We, we absolutely need two more officers. Um, we are running short in the detective division. We need another, another detective, and we need another road officer. And, and as I said in, in this um, directive that I emailed out today about we will take all of your calls, I also have told our guys I want to boost the police presence in all of these towns. I want them to know that I care about them. I'm not trying to be, I'm looking for a solution, but there are, there are some, uh, some, some people that are, are, are not here for the right reasons. They are here just to get a badge. They've been moved on from every other little department because they've got fired, and there's a lot of things we could talk about. I didn't come to throw shots tonight. I came to deal with facts. Um, so um, I want to be a help to, to those who are here to, to truly just help our community, especially like the people that are just here to work here, not to get a badge and go uh, uh, work their security job. So we're looking for ways, and we're going to figure out ways in which we can help 
the small towns. And, and until then, um, we're going to boost our presence there. We're going to take every call, and um, we're going to take care of our people. All right. Very good. Um, let's work our way into final thoughts here. We're lo- running longer than we normally do. Matt, is there anything we left out that we need to pick up that uh, that you want to make sure we get covered tonight before we before we sign off? No, I'd just like to appreciate you having us on here. It's always it's always a good avenue to get some information out, and uh, we appreciate it greatly. To share Very good, producer Zach. Welcome um, back, by the way. Oh, it's been rough. Like Monday was my first day in the office this month, which I highly recommend. Being the seventeenth, it's been a rough transition. You, you haven't worked in like three weeks. You were semi-retired. I took off, yeah, like Thursday afternoon before the Fourth of July to go to Mid Ohio, and I didn't go back to work till Monday. Um, it was delightful, but man, it's been, like when your alarm goes off at four forty-five in the morning, not good. It's not good. But other than that, no. You can say anything. Hey, you need to. If you ever get the chance to go to Alaska, it is by far the most beautiful place I've ever been. To bring back any. Uh, any chips for me? So we were on a uh, short time in Victoria, British Columbia, and we went whale watching, and they, I got nowhere near to buy them. I was sad, but I will tell you, I'm not a cruise person, but seeing that state, it's just, it's unbelievably beautiful. You're the third person I know that's Definitely gone to Alaska, like, in the last month. Yeah, it's, Mike I, I, McCown went to Alaska, and somebody else was just in Alaska. It's very popular. Definitely yeah. on my bucket list. Very popular. All right. Well, we're gonna have to do a boss hog uh, trip to trip to Alaska at some point. All right, Sheriff. Thanks for joining us, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks we appreciate uh, we appreciate the relationship we've developed on the show with you, and um, as as issues have come up, we've appreciated the uh, the transparency from the office, and we hope to provide a place to get the conversation out and make sure that you know it. If nothing else on this program, we 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 listen to all sides and we do have a conversation about it it's never we never cut anybody off and so far 307 episodes and nobody's ever lost their job because of it uh yes sir dakota uh i'm wearing my tnt endurance sports shirt uh which is the organization that's putting on the newcastle uh mini marathon uh that's on september 16th um been talking to travis thompson he's been on the show a couple times now and um the next price increase for the mini marathon, the 10K, the 5K, the uh, fun run walk, um, that is on August 6th, and he does have a discount code for Boss Hog of Liberty listeners. Uh, that is B-H-O-L-N-C-M-M, as in Boss Hog of Liberty, Newcastle Mini Marathon, and it's 10% off your registration, and that's going to be good until Sunday night at 11.59 p.m. So, yeah. Sign up if you want to run with me. I think aren't you running? I, I I want to. I did race with Travis the other day, and I enjoyed it. So um, yes, I were you in the triathlon? I was in the duathlon at the same. Okay. Time, so, yeah. Wait, what two events did you do? Uh, I did the run, bike, run, and um, you can ask Travis. Oh, the about worst my, of the three. Yeah, the worst <laughs> of the three, and uh, you can ask Travis about my bike times. I'll let him tell you about it. Okay. <laughs> To send a freedom of information request in and get your that's bike right, times. That's right. All right. Uh, thank you guys very much. Next week, we are going to have a candidate for president of the United States is scheduled to be on the program and be in studio. Uh, it's a mystery. You're, you're going to find out, but it's going to happen, allegedly. Uh, but I have, I have the documents and can confirm that we, we have reached an agreement and there will be a candidate for president of the United States on, on the show next week in studio 
have been contacted by the uh, special uh, agents to, to have some. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what sort of private security that the individual will have. Snipers up on the pop building. But uh, th- there will probably be some sort of a, uh, a a shield over over the building next week when we when we do this. Uh, one more day left at the Henry County 4-H Fair. Uh, come on out tomorrow. I think the uh, Junior Leader Food Booth's got a couple more hours that they're going to work out there. Uh, there's a livestock auction. I think that all happens within the Smith Building. Uh, and also the Horse and Pony Show is wrapping up. So if you haven't had your chance to get out to the fair, one more day of that. Uh, with that, we say thank you guys so very much for joining us, and we will see you next Thursday. <laughs>